life to get up and speak to them. But praise God, I've been studying, and today as we were driving over here, there was nothing that God had deposited in my brain. And I said, oh, my God, what am I going to do? So this is a precursor or a prelude to the lesson I'm going to be giving. Part of it, I'm giving it here. And um, they asked me to give a conference in English, in Spanish, to make it worse. <laughs> and um, uh, it's on breaking the alabaster box. And uh, I'm not going to give that one. The, the second conference I was going to give is Why Do Christians Suffer? And that's the lesson that I was uh, preparing today. And um, all of us suffer. All of us have problems, uh, tribulations, uh, uh, things that we go through. And a lot of times uh, we have a preconceived idea into our brain that when I get baptized in Jesus' name and I receive the Holy Ghost, all is going to be a bed of roses. Uh, uh, everything's going to go well with me. I am going to triumph over every situation that comes my way, every heartache. If I, uh, I'm not going to be depressed. We have all these preconceived ideas. But then as we go on and on in our Christian walk, uh, we've been, uh, my husband and I have been serving the Lord for, uh, I'd say at least, uh, 38 years already. And that doesn't make us, um, any better than anybody else. It just makes us more experienced. <laughs> That's all. But um, I've seen a lot, and we've been through a lot. But, you know, uh, God has been so good to us. He has answered so many of our prayers. I just got to praise him and worship him. Amen. So we're going to go down, and we're going to ask this question. I'm sure that if you've been serving God for any amount of time, you've asked this question, why do Christians suffer? So God has a reason for suffering, and he's got a reason for pain. Without warning, something can happen that will change your life forever. A loved one can become disabled by accident or by illness. A promising career is cut short by injury. A child dies. A marriage crumbles. A fire, a flood, earthquake destroys your home or business. So many things. But we have this idea somehow deep down uh, in, in back of our head that um, these things can't, cannot happen to us. When there comes a trial and tribulation into your life, maybe such as happened to Pastor just a few uh, months ago or a month or two ago, where they, we had to make a decision whether we should allow them to uh, take his foot. It was a heart-wrenching decision. It was a very difficult decision to make and uh, we could have been right there and we could have been saying well you know why God why why me why are you allowing this to happen but we know through our experience that all things everything the good and the bad work together for good to them that love the Lord so we had to make a decision the decision was made his foot was taken now we're adjusting to the new uh, uh, adjustments that we have to make in our lives so how do we react do we fall apart? Do we become bitter with God? Uh, do we question God? Why God? Why me? Why at this time? Uh, what's going on? Aren't you protecting me? Aren't your angels around me? Uh, I remember as I looked at his foot when we were in the hospital, and I was the only one that my husband would allow to see the foot, and I seen it getting worse 
and worse and worse. And I seen the uh, the gangrene, the infection get spread more and more and more. And you know, uh, we could have said, well, God, there's so many people praying. And I thought, you know, Lord, your precious blood, I mean, your precious blood can heal. You can send blood that would go through to his extremities. And you would heal this and you would make everything so much better. But God chose not to do it. Can you say amen? Amen. So life is filled with suffering because we live in a world that has been corrupted by sin. Each of us will experience some measure of agony during our lifetime. Each one of us. Not just Brother David and Sister Rosie or or uh, somebody from another church or our enemies or whoever. But each one of us will experience some degree of agony during our lifetime. Its form and duration will vary, but be assured it will come into your life. And you're saying, Sister Rosie, why are you talking so gloomy? And Man, we should be running and jumping and running the aisles and feeling the Holy Ghost. But we ask the question, why do Christians suffer? Uh, in, um, <clears throat> in the midst of our adversity or such difficulties, your mind may scream, why did this happen to me? Why didn't it happen to so-and-so who's backslidden? And we could point our finger. Why are good things happening, uh, bad things happening to good people? You know, why is this going on? Where are you, God? Where are you? Why did my son have to fly out the window? Why did their, their van have to turn over and over again? Why is this going on? I think her name is, is uh, pronounced Johnny or Joni Erickson. You've heard of her. She's a longtime Christian. She's very effective, a multi-talented person. She's a, she was a very energetic person. And at the age of 17 years old, she dove into a bay. She broke her neck and had to be pulled out of the water. Since then, she had been unable to feel or to move her arms and legs. The suffering she experienced she experienced is more than most of us will ever be able to understand. Who has heard her story? Have you ever heard her story? She learned how to write or draw or paint pictures with her mouth with a with a pencil. And they're beautiful pictures. They're not just any old pictures. They sell in art galleries and she's very talented. But she did suffer a lot. And in her agony and um uh, as time passed, she, do, she too questioned God and said, what possible good can come out of this, come out of what I am going through? Why did this happen to me? And then years passed. She had to cope with uh, learning how to live with her uh, a paralyzed body, how to learn how to do things without the, the help of her limbs, and to use the parts that she could use. And years passed, and Joni explains this. The suffering and pain have helped me to mature emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. Pain and suffering have a purpose. There is 
a reason for suffering and pain. I believe God was working in my life to create grace and wisdom out of the chaos of pain and depression. Isn't that incredible? To have somebody that has suffered pain, agony, a loneliness. I remember there was a, a paralytic. He was, he was, I don't know if it was her now, but she was lay, he was laying down in his bed. And he couldn't even scratch. He had an itch. A fly had been buzzing and buzzing and buzzing. And it landed on his nose. And he could not even reach out and scratch his own nose. Those are the things, the sufferings that we'll never be able to understand or, or, or we'll never know how to cope with those things. But C.L. Lewis, now this man is, is a contemporary writer of our day. If you go into any of our uh, bookstores, Christian bookstores, you will see his writings. But this man has become a great writer and he's done great exploits and he studies the Bible and he does all kinds of things. And after two years of marriage, he lost his wife to cancer. I don't think he's ever remarried again. Can you imagine two years of being, having your loved one die and suffer through the agonies of cancer? Well, he did it. And then this is one of his quotations that people quote all over the world. And he says, God whispers to us in our pleasures speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. Whew. Pretty deep. God can't get our attention any other way because we're deaf, we're too busy, and we lose focus of what we're doing here. Our purpose is, is, is put to one side and we get caught up in the everyday living of the world. God can't get our, our attention. What happens? Takes your ankle. Takes your foot. Let's you roll over in your van a couple of times. Uh, sister, your husband was in an accident. Now you love him. You tell him you love him more. I mean, with your total heart, your total being, and you look straight into his eyes and you tell him, I love you. Why couldn't I have told you before? But now I'm going to tell you. I'm going to make you realize how much I really love you. And sometimes it takes these losses that we go through. Suffering is a cataclyst that produces spiritual change. Suffering brings about spiritual change. Isn't that incredible? It'll make you get down on your knees. It'll make you cry out for mercy. It'll take you down to the depth of your soul and cry out unto God and scream out unto God until he, until he hears you. Can you say amen? It's not just a little uh, uh, rinky-dink prayer that we pray. God, thank you, Jesus. I praise you for this food. Another day of feeding me. Another day of your mercies. Another day. And then we go off get in our cars, go off on our routine, we forget all about God. When we got something pending, when we've got depression, when we've got pain, when we have sorrow, there is nothing in this world that can satisfy you except Jesus. 
nothing. There's no pill that you can take. There's no Prozac, no, no, no depression pills, nothing that will ease the pain inside of your heart. Nothing but Jesus. So suffering is a cataclysm that produces spiritual change. God wants spiritual change. God wants to get something out of your heart, a secret sin, a secret something that nobody knows about, secret desires that you have. And you're talking about, well, I'm a Christian woman. I come to church. I attend church all the time. I'm the first one there. I clean the church. I testify to people. I come over here and I pray for people. You know, what could God possibly want out of me? Now you could say, Brother David, what could, could God possibly, why would he possibly take your foot? Why you? You are so giving, you're so generous. But God knows the intents of the heart. Can you say amen? There's not one perfect person in this world. No, not one. God is so good, he is so perfect. And God is not finished with us yet. Amen. God intends suffering to draw you into his loving arms. Can you imagine? You know, we women, I always use this illustration. We women, we're always begging, we're always crying. And, and when we do some of our, our husband bashing, and we talk to our sisters, and he doesn't love me enough. He doesn't tell me he loves me. He doesn't pay enough attention to me. He loves church more than he loves me. He loves other people more than he loves me. And we're always talking about our husbands not caring enough. So do you know that God loves us enough to take our foot? To let us roll over and, and maybe have an accident? Thank God it was only a messed up elbow and an ear and a little bit of pain and agony. But what he is saying, draw nigh unto me, and I am going to draw nigh unto you. Brother David, I took your foot because I love you. I'm not punishing you. I'm not saying that, that you're not a good man. I'm not saying that. But I'm telling you, I need you to draw nigh unto me. Closer, just draw a little bit closer unto me, and I will bless you in abundance. Imelda, that's what he's telling you. That's what, draw closer to me, draw nigh unto me. Sister Angie, Sister, uh, I don't know your name, Leah, Vera, Vera, draw closer to me, draw closer to me. You're privileged. God wants your attention. God wants my attention. We are so wayward. We are so fragile. And, and, and we need every moment to draw closer unto the Lord. Now, when there comes a tragedy in your life and you suffer a crumpled marriage, uh, 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 somebody dies, you've been praying and praying, God, heal them, heal them, heal them, and God doesn't heal them. Now, something is going to and this is what happens. God is calling you, draw closer unto me. And then Satan tries to use hardship to 
as a wedge between you and God. Isn't that incredible? He's going to use every opportunity. He's going to use it and he's going to say, God, he could have just caused that other van to go at a hot second just to miss you. And then you would have said, but God wouldn't have gotten the honor and glory. When my husband heard my son's voice on the phone, he sensed an urgency. He sensed something. And he said, I got to go. Frank told him, don't come, Dad. I'm fine. Everything. I've got everything. I'm going. I'm going. I'm going. There was an urgency. But Satan tries to use that hardship as a wedge to pry you away from God so that you will begin to doubt God, doubt his faithfulness. Whenever a crisis enters into your life, so does the temptation to doubt God's love, his goodness, and his faithfulness. You are then faced with a decision. Will you trust God to work in your circumstances or turn your back on him as you seek relief in other ways? You look for other ways to fix up your problems. Your faith in God and attitude toward him ultimately determine whether your trials will make you a better person or serve as tools for your destruction. All has to do up here. Everyone that came to visit Pastor David in the hospital was amazed at his attitude. We believe it was because of the multitude of prayers that were going up for him on his behalf. And... Uh, he had a wonderful attitude, beautiful attitude. I mean, my, I just look at him, admire him, uh, uh, his courage to go forward, everything. So it's all in your attitude. They, the doctor said, um, if you walk again, if you do, if, if you do anything, it's going to be half of what we can do for you because we're going to get you an artificial limb, and the other half all has to do with your attitude. Are you going to love God? Or are you going to allow Satan to rob you of your intimacy with God? Uh, are you going to let him put a wedge between you and God? So it's all in your mind. Jesus says the thief's purpose is to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He wants to destroy your relationship with God, your relationship with your children, your relationship with your husband. My purpose is to give life in all its fullness. And that's Jesus talking. God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life, but that plan for your good includes suffering. Ooh. Are you willing to pay the price? Sister Rivera, do you want to sing for the Lord? You want people to be ministered to? You're going to you're gonna, you're gonna suffer rejection. People are gonna talk about you and they're gonna say, hey sister Yvette, you think you sing so good? And they're gonna be talking about you and they're gonna be saying this. Or maybe when you're up there singing and, and, and you go off a note a little bit, they're gonna say, wow, she, she's losing her voice. You know, and there's gonna be things that she's going through. She's gonna go through because of, of her talent for God. Because of what she's doing for God. But you're not going to allow that to happen to you. You're going to keep on singing. 
You're going to keep on practicing. You're going to keep on praying. You're going to keep on asking God for his anointing upon your life. You're not going to allow your husband, your children, anybody to get in your way because you're going to sing for the honor and glory of God. That's what God wants. But Satan wants to come and take that. There's going to be suffering. Anything that you do for God, there's going to be suffering because God wants to mold you and he wants to make you. Amen? So don't be afraid when we tell you God has a wonderful plan for you. There's a price to pay, and that price includes suffering. It is often during times of suffering that we can, we learn to refocus our lives on God. Refocus. God becomes new to us again. We become refreshed in his presence. We desire to be get closer to God. David confessed in Psalm 119.71, he says, The suffering you sent was good for me, for it taught me to pay attention to your principles. So this thing of suffering isn't, it just didn't start happening in this century. It started happening, it was happening during the Bible time. And you know the life of King David. I mean, you know what he suffered. They anointed him king when he was very young, but he didn't come unto the throne till he was already later on in years. And he suffered and suffered and suffered, and he was taunted and persecuted, and nobody even thought of, of his purpose, that he had a purpose, that he was really going to be the king. But he was, and he waited, and he trusted in God. And there was one time when King David was being pursued of um, Saul, and he was going to kill him. He was so angry with him. David did something out of the will of God. He crossed into the enemy uh, territory, and he went and he was put in prison in, by the Philistines and the king of Gath, and he was put into prison. And then he writes. He writes while he's in prison, and he hasn't been liberated by God yet. But he trusts God. He knows God. He believes in his promises. And God had promised him that he was going to be the second king of Israel. He was already anointed by Samuel. But now he finds himself in prison being persecuted. Do you think that he felt like a king? Do you think that he felt, oh, now they're honoring me. I have the royal robes on. No, he didn't. But he wrote that. He, he wrote this psalm and he says, no matter what happens to me, I'm going to get out of here. I'm going to be liberated. My enemies shall not have victory over me. I will triumph over them, and I will yet ascend unto the throne. And he wrote more psalms and more psalms. He became king. He died of an old age, and, and, and we got his story written all over the Bible. Because he trusted in God. And that's what God wants of us. He wants total, complete trust. Even when we we see the circumstances that are so against us. Can you say amen? So the suffering you, the suffering you sent me was good for me. When I was in the hospital... Last August, or maybe even two years ago, I don't even know how long ago it was. Last year, okay. <laughs> and uh, they operated <clears throat> a part of my brain, and they took a piece of a tumor out, and now I always sound like if I have a cold, like if I'm... <laughs> but that's okay. 
I'm, I'm, I'm fine. And I, I always thought, you know why? I thought God was just before I entered into the, the operating room that they were going to say, no, 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 stop the operation. God has healed her. You look at the, 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 the MRI results, you know, it, it, they're fine. The tumor shrunk. It's gone. It disappeared. Didn't happen. <clears throat> and I did suffer much discomfort. Oh my God, you'll never know. I felt like if I was dying every day just because I couldn't breathe because of the nose, the, uh, the operation that they did. Thank God I had no pain. They would offer me, uh, uh, medication. Morphine, Demerol, I don't know what they, I don't know what they offer me, Vicodin, what do you need, what do you need, I said, I don't need anything, I don't have any pain, and they were amazed, and God made a short work of my operation, and, and I'm doing fine, and, and everything is going well, and I say, God, why did you allow me to do, this? what do you want from me, it's a time of reflection, of self-searching, it's a time of, of looking into yourself and looking at your imperfections that nobody knows of. Your hidden desires, your, you, you, when you're angry, uh, the things you say inside of your brain. Oh, my husband gets me so angry. He only knew how angry he gets me. I wish, I wish I could get him and hit him over the head and, and, and do these things. Those are the hidden things that God wants to get rid of. Those that, you know that we have Christian sins? <coughs> Can you say amen? We have anger. We have things inside of us. Especially when our husbands tell us no. We want something so much, so bad. And our husbands say no to us. Oh, we get so angry. And we make him food and we don't make him good food. We just make him food. We don't do anything special for them. And we do things out of duty instead of out of love. And those are the things that God wants us to refocus. Do it as unto me. Serve your husband as you would serve me. Oh, if God were here and, and, and God were in our presence, we'd be the best Christians in the world, wouldn't we, Ivana? Uh, we act right, do right, we're so sweet. Uh, yes, yes, and we do, do, and... We do all this kind of stuff for, for the Lord, for our husbands. and and But if God was in our presence, if we were in his presence, if our hearts were right with God, we would die daily to our flesh, die daily to our anger and the ugliness that we feel sometimes. Sometimes we have a spirit. We feel bound by a spirit of servitude toward our husbands. We feel like second-rate Christians or people because we have delegated authority. Uh, why does my husband, uh, why does he have the ultimate authority? Why can't I make more decisions? Why can't I do this? Why can't he do Why does he always get to have the last uh, uh, word? And we feel we're under bondage of servitude, and that's not the way it should be. I know, and I know Melda, she knows me, and I know we can get into a rut because our, our husbands are so strong-willed. Get me this. Get me that. And they don't even say thank you or please or and, 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 amen, brother. <laughs> You're not supposed to be here. And, and uh, we feel that way and we do things 
and we don't do it with love. And if we allow those things to continue and continue, who's going to get bitter? And who's going to feel the anger? Who's going to be out of the will of God? Your husband? No. You. You are going to become out of the will of God because you're not serving him as unto the Lord. It is so hard. Every day the Bible says we have to die daily. We have to suffer. We have to refocus our lives on God. And we have to say like David in Psalm 119.71, it says the suffering you sent me was good for me. For it taught me to pay attention to your principles. Where do you find yourself at right now in God's, uh, in God's world? Where, where, where are you at right now? Are you a wife, just a wife? Be the best wife you can. If you're a wife, mother, and, and career person, don't forget, forget your priorities. Can you say amen? God has a purpose for every difficulty you encounter. God has a purpose. Although this purpose is seldom obvious at that time, you must always remember that God does not want to destroy you. Isn't that awesome? That's a good principle to know that when God has you, is refining you, redoing you, refocusing you, uh, you're going through adversity, he does not want to destroy you. He wants something better than that for you. What he does want, he wants to shape you for his glory and to conform you into the image of Christ. He does not send you suffering to crush you. He wants you to triumph through suffering. And God uses suffering to produce training in obedience, refinement of your character, intimacy with your compassionate God and Savior, understanding of the hurts of others, maturity for ministering to others, perseverance in, perseverance in difficult times, and hope for your future. Can you say amen? God bless you.